once one of Hollywood's favorite movies. Today we're talking about Casablanca and how it became a classic. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today we're continuing our series of why is x movie a classic and so we've gone through a bunch of big time classic movies including the godfather and easy rider so feel free to look back at earlier episodes but today we're talking about arguably one of the biggest classic movies of all time which is casablanca which is (laughs) dated to say the least in terms of a uh to say the least in terms of uh, how it's received and its tone and on the acting and all that, but we'll get into that in a second. But first and foremost, let's dig into why it became a classic and why it's an important film, just whether or not you like it as it is now. So let's get started. 1942's Casablanca is one of the most celebrated and beloved movies of all time. It ranks high on almost every greatest films of all time list and has a perfect blend of a signature song, famous lines, and career-defining performances for for much of its cast. It's a film so celebrated, it's hard for people coming in cold to understand the appeal, especially by modern movie standards. So today we're going to talk about arguably the most famous Hollywood movie of all time and how it became a classic. Set in the early days of World War II, the film stars Humphrey Bogart as Rick Blaine, an American expatriate who runs a nightclub and gambling den in the titular city. Despite a mismatch of refugees and Nazis running through his place, Rick claims to be neutral and above any of the larger conflicts. But Rick's neutrality is tested when his long-lost love, Ilsa, reappears with a Czech resistance leader at her side, and the two will have to decide whether to rekindle their relationship or support the cause. So let's get to the initial reaction. The first reactions to Casablanca were overwhelmingly positive. The film was an unexpected box office success, becoming one of Warner Brothers' most popular films throughout World War II, garnered almost entirely positive reviews, and won three out of eight Oscars it was nominated for, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. And from a very basic standpoint, it's easy to see why audiences liked it so much. So let's get to the basics. The core of Casablanca is watching our lead character, Rick, regain his morals and his soul after a lifetime of disappointment. When we first meet Rick, he's not amoral, but he's claiming neutrality for the sake of his own profitability. His bar has Nazis and their victims rolling through, so not taking a side means he makes a killing and gets to stay in business, hence the chummy relationship with a local police officer. Despite this, the fact that Rick used to help out freedom fighters and would go through hell for Ilsa, which makes him her makes her return remind him of who he was. And Humphrey Bogart is a perfect choice for this role at the time. Bogart had a long history of playing anti-heroes or villains like Sam Spade in the Maltese Falcon or so playing a former romantic or a jaded former romantic is right in line with his on-screen persona. His chemistry with who at the time was an up-and-coming co-star, Ingmar Bergman, is palpable and makes the choice between love and duty feel genuine. It's also how the famous line, here's looking at you, kid, ended up in the film, since Bogart often sent it off-screen to Bergman between takes playing cards and they put it in the movie. 
The rest of the film is in line with pitch-perfect supporting actors, including the most charming Germish collaborator with a conscience, Claude Rains' Captain Louis Renault, Dooley Wilson's charming performance as Sam, and even a stiff performance from Paul Heinrich as the Resistance leader Laszlo, who apparently did not get along with his co-stars, and that actually works in the film's favor. The film is also peppered with era-signature looks, lines, and shots like Bogart and Bergman on the tarmac, the crane shot as the film ends, and the lines like the aforementioned, here's looking at you, kid, play it again, Sam, and Bogart's entire monologue before he sends Bergman to the plane. It's all memorable, classic Hollywood stuff. One thing I think film historians often neglect or fail to discuss is how the film avoids any easy genre labels. The film takes place during World War II, but lacks the jingoistic fervor or pro-military angle of other war films that were adopted in the era, era, usually with blatant racism. Instead, the movie is a call for shared sacrifice for the greater good, and how we can't ignore our call to help our fellow human beings, which for reasons we'll get into was a perfect message for 1942 America. Likewise, the film lacks the traditional romance where we see two disparate characters and they fall in love. We're meeting our characters in the aftermath, as they circle each other once again, with only brief flashbacks showing us how they connected in the first place. In many ways, the film looks and feels like a noir, with an emphasis on nighttime scenes, murky morality, corruption, and romantic conflict that could be dangerous. And it's that broad appeal that likely made it a go-to film for years to come. So let's address the wild cards. The war, the stars, and the broadcasts. Casablanca was released in late November in 1942, less than a year after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, and to say it was shaped by the war is an understatement. The original scriptwriters left the production to aid Frank Capra on his Why We Fight film series, and the finished film was, put, was pushed into theaters to coincide with the first Allied attacks in North Africa where the film takes place. So the timing was right. There's even an urban legend that many of the people in the bar during the singing of the resistance anthem were actual resistance fighters. And in an era of outright propaganda, Casablanca stood out. Unlike a lot of films at the time where the heroes were soldiers bravely going to fight for their country, this was a movie with romance and human drama with a very similar message about moral responsibility. As unsubtle as it is in hindsight, it was subtle by comparison. It's how a film that one critic dubbed as splendid anti-Axis propaganda became an, an enduring crowd favorite. That lack of jingoistic fervor also aided the film after the war's end, and many of the most successful films of the era fell out of favor. The film also marked the peak of hum Humphrey Bogart's appeal as a romantic lead, and Igmar Bergman's full-blown Hollywood breakthrough. That's how a lot of classic films have stayed around. They stood out in their era and feature big stars. But they aren't usually considered one of the greatest films of all time. How did Casablanca shoot into the stratosphere? Because much like It's a Wonderful Life, Casablanca stayed in the public consciousness through prolonged visibility. Unlike other war films, Casablanca was still being shown in theaters through 1955. That's right, over a decade later. It was so popular with audiences who either grew up with it or saw it that universities would show it for students. There was perpetual demand and showings for the film, which in turn meant it stayed in the public consciousness and became common knowledge. So much so that by 1977, it was the most broadcast film in American television. And it makes sense. It's a crowd-pleasing film that's suitable for most ages. Play it every Saturday. 
which in turn led to persistent references and parodies from adults and kids who grew up with it. I don't think it's an accident that When Harry Met Sally features a scene where Harry and Sally watch the end of the film together over the phone. It would have been that ubiquitous and popular even in the late 80s. Unfortunately, said ubiquity and popularity has also set the bar too high for modern audiences. So let's get to the dings. The nostalgia glasses for Casablanca are so giant and rose-colored, I'm surprised they haven't blotted out the sun. Of course I'm exaggerating, but this is a rare movie where multiple generations grew up with it, and in turn can breeze past the elements or flaws of the film, especially ones that shine through with the benefit of hindsight. Stylistically, movies from this era aren't going to be everyone's bag. Humphrey Bogart's line delivery is the easiest example. For his era, Bogart was one of the most beloved actors who could play tough villains, anti-heroes, and flawed romantic leads, but there's no way his line delivery would fly nowadays. Unfortunately, Bogart's line delivery lines up with the t stereotypical movie voice people associate with the era. There's that very fake rapid-fire delivery that feels more at home in a stage play or a modern parody than a grounded wartime romance. At the time, the film was seen as the height of romance and drama, whereas now, just being from its era, it's a melodrama. It's not necessarily a flaw, but it does put a distance between new viewers who are used to more realistic stories and romance movies or want something more upbeat like a rom-com. And that's where we get into some plot problems. It's hard to ignore that Ingmar Bergman's Elsa is frequently treated like a commodity. I think the film does a decent job of portraying her conflict between two men, but the film also treats her presence as something Laszlo requires to do his job effectively. I get that having emotional support of your spouse would be important, but if she's thinking about someone else the whole time, the foundations in the relationship are awful. In a modern movie, like these, Laszlo and Ilsa would be destined for divorce after they touch down. And finally, we come to Rick's dilemma. In the film, Rick is rightly portrayed as a man who's attempting to stay neutral and is eventually looped into doing the right thing after he sees the impact Laszlo has as a leader and having his passion for his fellow humans rekindled by Ilsa. That's well and good. What's not good is how he has to be coaxed into fighting the Nazis. Now, Rick isn't pro-Nazi by any means, his anti-authority history makes that much clear, and he goes against the main Nazi at every turn, how he shoots him. But not being virulently anti-Nazi from the jump is a bad look in hindsight. It would be very easy to look at Rick's alleged neutrality as irresponsible. Like many classic films, Casablanca is a product of its era, a big, sweeping, romantic movie shaped by the time. But those same elements are the same things that make it inaccessible to a modern audience. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time, everybody. Stay safe.